Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, 3M, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And that's our announcer, Alec Webb. Hello, everybody. I am John Davis. Welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 92. And we are in Studio C today and around our table is producer, writer, and two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Thrilled to be here today, John. And checking in is our road test producer, Ben Davis. Yes, sir. And also our writer and our podcast producer, Patrick Lucas. Excited to be here in Studio C. I can tell by your enthusiasm at the microphone there just how excited you Ooh, really are. Yeah. And let's get the <laughs> pump this up a little bit. <laughs> we also have uh, Nika Watkins over there. She's our lady with the bell There's for enthusiasm. the lightning round. And she's keeping uh, the clock on us all to make sure that we um, uh, stay within our time frame. And let's start off with a vehicle that seems to be almost timeless in its appeal, and that is the uh, redo of the Honda Odyssey minivan. Um, Since Honda uh, redid the Odyssey a few years ago, uh, it's been the one to buy for a lot of suburban families. They've now done a mid-cycle freshening, uh, added a few gimmicks to it. Uh, What do we all think of the new Odyssey? Is it still the minivan to, to get? Well, yeah, because a lot of people have gotten out of the game, so your choices are pretty narrow these days. But it's definitely the best one in the market as far as overall quality. Um, uh, minivans are super practical. I mean, compared to crossovers, there's just so much room in there, and you can haul people. And and it's, the Odyssey is decent to drive. Um, the only problem I have is it's like this with all minivans. You get, like, no respect on the road. Yeah. People just assume you're, a, you know, a soccer mom tweeting and, and texting in your car while you're driving, and they just pull out in front of you, like, so much. It's they amazing. They figure you're going right. slow. Yeah. Just, you just have to have a lethal personalized vanity tag, like Violator or <laughs> Lethal or something. Vader. But the I guess the new thing about the Odyssey was the vacuum, onboard vacuum, which – I don't know. I was mean, it, is it more than a gimmick? It's a wet. It's an onboard. Yeah, I mean, it's made by what? Wet dry? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I guess if you can't absolutely wait to get back home to your garage <laughs> and vacuum something up, it's great to have. But you have to buy like the ultimate touring elite to yeah. even get it, which is over forty grand. And there's, I mean, no matter how nice it is, I'm not spending forty grand on a minivan. They well, said, I'm sorry, it's funny yeah. you say that, but there, let's face it, there are people that absolutely cannot wait to get <laughs> to get that spiller accident vacuumed up. And oh, will, oh, just because they've got they want to future mentally knowing that they can't get to it. <laughs> Pull over the side of the road, <laughs> Patrick. You Vacuum are down. the uh, youngest member at this table today. How does your generation look at minivans? I can't speak for my generation, but uh, <laughs> well, me, sure per- me personally, yeah, I have can. absolutely zero interest in a minivan. <laughs> I do know this. Honda you're, not, you're not married yet, so no, no well, family. Well, even still, I'm not going to go minivan. <laughs> <laughs> I get like a nice Pathfinder or something. That's about as minivan as I'd go. Being, um, being 40, speaking for my generation, I wonder if you could hook a Floby up to the vacuum cleaner <laughs> and give yourself a <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Floby? No, Van, I know. It's a vacuum <laughs> attached to <laughs> mobile hair, hair trimmer. Oh, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that. That's for sure. You had something else you wanted to uh, add, Patrick, before we shut you down? Yeah. Before we went on this uh, trip down memory lane. Um, so Honda does a great interior. So yep. 
So you got that going for you. The, you know, I'm surprised that Honda, and for that matter, uh, Toyota with a Sienna, that no one's been able to come up with something comparable to the stow-and-go seats that, that Chrysler vans uh, have. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Chrysler's <laughs> the only vans in Dodge that you can fold the second row into the, the floor. And if you're – I like minivans because I have big dogs and it's easy to big carry dog. them in it. But, you know, it's amazing to me that nobody's ever been able to find something they could get around the patents or another way of doing it. Even more amazing is, even with the stow-and-go, I didn't, you know, really stow them that much. But just when the seats are up, that's a huge storage area underneath. Yeah. Uh, Why can no one else do that? I mean. I don't know. How hard is it? And I guess there will be a new Chrysler uh, van uh, next year, so it won't be too long before we'll be back here seeing how it compares to the Odyssey. That sounds like a comparison I would love to write. Uh, I think you probably will be. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next vehicle uh, that we've had in recently. This one should should get some interesting comments. Range Rover Sport, an $88,000 uh, premium SUV. Um, besides the fact that it looks a lot like a Ford Explorer, uh, comments. Uh, you can, if you want to compare it to a Ford Explorer, well, I just, didn't say I was going to compare, okay, well, but it sure looks like one. They just fire it up and step on the uh, accelerator. Yeah, and, that's you, true. You'll notice Big right difference. away that it's not, it's not a Ford Explorer. I mean, that thing, I'm a huge fan of that. You want to talk about something that I'd get? Honda Odyssey, no. Range Rover Sport, yes. <laughs> Supercharged VH right <laughs> yeah. up your alley. Yeah, huh? that appeals to my generation. Um, yeah, a super well-done interior, uh, very comfortable, sporty. It's like everything you could ever want, really. I didn't really get a chance to spend a whole lot of time at it. I think the big deal is, uh, you know, it kind of follows the regular uh, Range Rover. Uh, All aluminum. Yeah, it's like 700 pounds lighter, mm-hmm. 500 pounds, something like that. Uh, it drives like a whole different vehicle. It really does make I a mean, big difference. Yeah, it's still capable off-road, you know, like every other Land Rover. Um, they just made it a lot more pleasant to drive on the street. Always over the top. Not a whole lot you can say other than that. You know what impressed me is that, Range Rovers have always felt agile. That's part of their character. This one, though, with its you know super duper active suspension and active roll bar system and all that, it was so stable. It had, I think, the absolute best ride of any SUV I've ever driven. It was not soft, but you didn't feel a lot of irregularities in the road. And you go around a corner at speed, and it stays almost perfectly flat. It was, and yet, when what minor off pavement I did, there was no jostling, no rocking back and forth, no twitching of the wheel. It was really impressive. Think it had a better ride than the Mercedes GL? Yeah, I do. Wow. I really do. I think it had a more uh, composed ride, one that I felt made you feel more confident behind the, the wheel. Uh, the ride just knocked me off. Uh, I thought it was terrific. Uh, another, a, um, a crossover or utility or whatever you want to call wagon. it, a wagon, a Kia Soul <laughs> has been redone and it has come our way. And while it's new from the ground up, it looks a lot like the old one. Uh, folks, do you think it lost anything or gained anything in this transformation to a second generation? It obviously gained a lot. The interior has been vastly upgraded. I'm not sure if they did any kind of past uh, – well, I'm sure they did, actually, some uh, some consumer research to see who was buying the car. But <clears throat> it's almost as if they upgraded the interior to appeal to an older uh, buying audience. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I hated it. <laughs> I thought it – no. Oh, I, I loved the old one because I thought it was quirky and young and yeah, new and was, different. No doubt. And this one feels like – More mainstream. It's, it's much, much more mainstream. I'd say a step – 
above mainstream, actually. Oh, Maybe a nice. little luxury. Luxury uh, yeah, mainstream. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's very it. nice, but I thought it lost. I mean, if you got in it, it's like, I don't know. See, I'm not that age group. <laughs> Patrick, you speak to it. Did you? When and you your got generation in it, as, as a whole. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah as, absolutely. As you're, you're representing here, you know, how many millions? When you got in it, did you feel that the quirkiness... A, in the first place, was that attractive in the old one? And, and is it gone now or missing? Or how do you feel about it? I know that when I got in, the quirkiness outside didn't match inside. Outside is still pretty funky looking. You figure, mm-hmm. all right, this is a strange looking car. Mm-hmm. You get inside, very comfortable, very functionally laid out. Um, it still looks pretty hip and cool and new. And they've got, you know, <laughs> nice screens and all that stuff. But uh, it, it just felt like a nice, you know... Kia. So the inside didn't necessarily match the outside, but you weren't. You don't sound like you were disappointed. No, not at all. I thought it was very nice. Um, I took it home a couple nights, and I, I had a great time with it. I, I guess. Like, go ahead. I like the way it looks on the outside a lot better than the old generation. It kind of has a what I can remember seeing as a kid, and I'm going to try to dub a term for it here. You heard it here <laughs> first. Uh oh. 70s era disco influenced sci-fi drawings because it looks like. From the back end, yeah. especially, which you'd expect to see on a 70s lunchbox of like a generic mm-hmm. outer space lunchbox of a spaceship. <laughs> it's kind of got that 70s sci fi feel to it. Oh, that's strange. All right. I'll take that back. <laughs> no, I think that's a good, a good way to look at it. it. It does look like it's a vehicle that has been upgraded. We've all said that. I guess to me, I love the old one because it was so unique and it sort of thought outside the box and tried to be something that nobody else was. And this one's a little more mainstream. So if I had the old one, I think I'd be a little disappointed. But if I was new in the market, I, pro- I wouldn't know it's, any better. I probably think it's still, still pretty cool. Still the most unique-looking Kia. Yeah, yeah they're there, selling right? a ton of them. And, ton of them. And I give them credit because it's similar. It's like the PT Cruiser syndrome where they put that thing, Chrysler put that thing out. You know, this is, this is going to be our vehicle for younger buyers. And no one under the age of 40 was buying that car. <laughs> it was all older people because it looked cool. And it was hip, and similar thing happened with the soul. You know, they're going for the younger buyer. Sure, How about I'm, Scion as a whole. Yeah, yeah a lot of people, are, younger people, are buying them. But then, you know, people my age think of that as an extremely practical, fuel efficient vehicle. You know, I like that, but I wish the interior was a little more luxurious. Well, you know, now guess what? Yeah. Now it is yeah. very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, let's move on now to our lightning round, where our panelists have two minutes to debate trending automotive topics. And when the time is up. Uh, Nika's there, the lady with the bell, and she's going to ring it once, twice, or three times until we hush. So here we go. Three times. (laughs) Let's have a little fun. We recently came across a survey that polled people on who they thought to be the most annoying drivers. Now, the two top responses were my spouse and a friend. And the most annoying behavior was found to be, the most annoying behavior was found to be following others too closely. I'll agree with that. Uh, Without ruining any of our personal relationships, we all have to go home today. Uh, Who do you or what type of driver do you find most annoying? I can't believe that. that Let's go around the table. Boy, Brian, you you just can't wait, can you? I just was going to say, I can't believe that many people found your spouse that annoying. (laughs) 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 Because I know her and she's not annoying at all. I know, but you always comment that he's not joking here. When he follows uh, my spouse down the road, he says he knows it's her. (laughs) He knows it's her because she never goes a mile over the speed limit. But go ahead. 
No, she's a law-abiding citizen. Thank you. I didn't really have an answer. I just well, well, no, that. you're up. Who's okay. the most? Who do you uh, find the, the usual, most annoying? Just answer the usual uh, texters while they're driving, and you know that's certainly a safety issue that gets on my nerves. But one that's not a safety issue in any way is uh, people that drive around with their fog lights on during the day. Oh my! <laughs> I don't know why that's so annoying to me. Yeah, it is me too. I, it, it affects me in no way, but it, to night, me, too, it just, it just looks annoying when it's me. perfectly clear outside. Yeah. And heads up, people, when you're driving with your driving lights on, you're, you know, and it's, there's not bad weather and you're on the highway, all you're doing is putting those lights in the side mirror of somebody else you're driving alongside of, and it's, it's horrible. It's very dangerous. I wish they had an automatic defect, <coughs> you default to off every time you turn the ignition off, but they don't. It's so a very uh, passionate discussion about fog lights. Um, <laughs> well, because we're not going to insult yeah. our spouses, <laughs> that are we? Exactly. That wasn't my turn. I still oh, have stuff to oh, say. Right, right. Right. So, no, no, I just didn't yeah, want you to count that as my turn. We're going to get I'm the bell soon. Uh, yeah. All right, I would just say I'm a little bit of a control freak, so I like driving myself, and I don't like being a passenger regardless, so anybody of, regardless of who the driver is. Yeah. Ben, generally speaking, I have to agree with the cell phones and the fog lights, but personally speaking, and this is a unique situation because I work with MotorWeek, every time I get in a car with a friend of mine and he's driving, they have to impress me with how awesome of a driver they are, <laughs> and it scares me to death. Uh, just, uh, just drive casually, please. I actually get most annoyed not by the driver but by the passenger who's got their feet either out the passenger side front window oh, or cool. on the up on the dash yeah. where the airbag is, which will cripple them if they go into an accident and it goes off. So, uh, but we very good, everyone. You didn't say a friend or, well, you did say a friend, but you didn't say your spouse. They deserve it. So we can all go home tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Nika. Okay, we have a question uh, for the table, and this is not a lightning round, so we won't have to drone on on it. But let's talk about a common question many of us get this time of year. What can I do to prep my vehicle for winter travel? And, uh, you know, what sort of safety precautions should I take to avoid a major issue during inclement weather? Uh, and has this changed over the past years as cars have changed? Comments? I don't think it's really changed over the years. Definitely I not. I disagree. It's not the 70s anymore. Your cars. <laughs> well, you don't need <laughs> chains anymore. Is that what you're trying to say? No. Just, I mean, the chance of you breaking down and needing a blanket or something in the car like that. Oh. I mean, come on, really? Well, I mean, certainly that helps. Everyone's got a cell phone. I mean, besides the obvious tires and keep a blanket in your an emergency blanket in your glove box or something. Don't go out in a blizzard, number one. And here's the yeah. deal, guys. And everybody's everybody's <laughs> lay, lay down some get knowledge. Knowledge. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Shoot, washer fluid, guys. Don't be cheap either. Put in some kind of. I'm not going to drop any brand names, but Andy some freeze. kind of washer fluid that repels rain. And has an antifreeze uh, Absolutely. Element to it. You don't water it How down. dangerous yeah. is it to – I mean, I've jumped in people's cars where they don't have any washer fluid, and there's a, about a quarter inch of salt on the windshield. How can you see through that at nighttime especially? And Scrape don't think your windshield it, before you leave, too. It's a sidebar. And don't think and it's just on your uh, – just because your windshield's clean, guys, doesn't mean your headlights and taillights are clean. I can't believe uh, – I've seen salt build up so thick, it's hard to believe any kind of light can travel through it. If I can't see you, wow, it's dangerous. If Vinny, I can't see your taillights – safe driver. Mm. Yeah. I'm That's all changed now that he's got babies. <laughs> Patrick. Touche. Um, well, <laughs> considering that I just got back from Iceland, uh, tires would be my biggest thing. Don't drive into huge uh, snow drifts either. And, you know, even if your tires have got shot? half their original tread, you have lost so much braking and handling and traction capability. So when you get towards winter, if you're Good down to tires, less than yeah. half of your normal tread, and a tire dealer can measure it for you if you don't have a gauge, uh, 
you know, you should change your tires before winter. If you got the money. If not, buy some, buy some high dollar washer fluid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings best, to a yeah. close on a Keep chilly note. Uh, our Motor Week <laughs> podcast number 92. I want to thank everyone around the table. Our producer, writer, and two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. You can say that you're welcome, John. <laughs> our road test producer, Ben Davis. Thanks. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. Thanks. And, and who welcome. also produced today's podcast, uh, Nika Watkins, who is the lady with the bell. And our audio engineer, thank you, Nico. Jim Bigwood hey, for making us all sound and come through loud and clear. And for our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope you'll be watching Motor Week on your local public television station and also on Velocity. And we also want to thank all of our generous underwriters. Until uh, next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, please drive safely out there. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, 3M, and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.